Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole heart. This is the fifth in a series of seven episodes regarding the final sayings of Jesus, the final seven sayings. Sometimes they're called the seven sayings. You remember those words that our Lord spoke from the cross. Now, no doubt these words have been cherished and studied by Jesus' followers from the time that they were spoken. And I believe that we can learn a lot about a person from their final sayings in life. And the last 24 hours of Jesus' life were very significant, especially his experience on the cross. And as he was hanging on the cross, he spoke words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And we've considered that. He spoke words about the future. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He spoke words regarding family. When he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And John wrote that from that hour, that disciple took her, Mary, to his own home. But he also spoke words of fellowship. When the sixth hour came and there was darkness over the whole land till the ninth hour, at the ninth hour you'll recall Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we considered that in depth. Perhaps that is one of the most controversial, but also um, most underappreciated statements. And if you are interested in that, I encourage you, go back and listen to that episode. It's on my Podbean channel, uh, same place you found this one. Go back and listen to the, seventh, uh, the seven sayings of Jesus, words of fellowship, uh, where Jesus Uh, spoke those words on the cross and I concluded with this truly it teaches that no matter what the world thinks about us and our standing before God if we are in Christ and we are loyal to God we are in fellowship with him and we must commit ourselves to him who judges righteously in this episode though I want to focus on the words that Jesus spoke that were words of focus A lot of things going on for our Lord on the cross with all the mental and physical and emotional pain going on. But the Lord was focused. He was focused during his ministry, his teaching, preaching, his healing. He was focused even during the the great trials that Satan put upon him in the wilderness. He was focused even when he cleansed the temple and he drove out the money changers. He was focused when he preached the woes to the scribes and Pharisees. He was focused when he spoke to Nicodemus one-on-one. Our Lord was always focused on the work at hand. And he was focused in the garden as he was dealing with the temptation of aborting the mission because he asked the Father if there was a different way. No doubt Satan was tempting him uh, to change his mind, to do something different than what he had intended to do. 
Our Lord was focused even as he hung on the cross. John 19, verse 28 and 29, if you're able to to look at this with me, if you're able to actually open up your Bible, I encourage you to do it. Uh, And if you're driving or doing something else, of course, as always, I'll be reading the main verse aloud, and you can consider that as I read it. John 19, 28 and 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. We'll pause there in the reading. This statement of our Lord from the cross that certainly emphasize how our Lord was focused is only found in John's account. Let me ask this question. What can we make of this statement in this passage? During the ordeal of Jesus' trials, during his scourging and on the cross as he was nailed to wood, I don't think our Lord received the proper hydration that his suffering body needed. Even as I record this podcast in the comforts of my study, thinking about thirst and water and the Lord going through those sufferings, I'm tempted to reach over and grab my bottle of water and take a swig. Water is so needed and so critical to proper hydration of the body including a body that is suffering. And what this reminds us of is his humanity and the significance of his humanity. I would like for you to consider with me some passages from the letter we call Hebrews. Beginning with Hebrews chapter 2, Verses 9 and 10, the Hebrews writer often emphasizes the humanity of Jesus, that it was necessary that God the Word become a human being and suffer the things that he did in order to be the good and great and faithful high priest. Hebrews 2, beginning with verse number 9 But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete, through sufferings. Now verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's human beings, he himself, that's Christ, likewise shared in the same. Why? That through death he might destroy or render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now look at verses 17 and 18. 
Therefore, in all things, he, Christ, had to become like his brethren. Why? Why was the humanity of Jesus, the incarnation of God the Word, so essential? Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tested, he is able to aid those who are tempted or tested. So, Jesus our Lord, knowing that all things were accomplished and that the scripture should be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And our Lord, in saying that, no doubt would be reminding those at the foot of the cross of his great trial, his great hurt and pain, but his great need physically for water, for hydration. That he was truly a human being and that it was necessary for him to become such, to become a human being for the need, needs I should say, of mankind. Let's go back over the passages for just a moment in Hebrews 2 verse 9. Why did he become a human being? So that he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting for him. To bring many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The captain of our salvation has suffered as we suffer in life. But he suffered for us. He became a human being. He, he, in, he, he experienced the incarnation. He became a human being. To share in the same things we have so that in the flesh he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And he did this. He was made like us. So he would be a merciful and faithful high priest. As the God-man, he can stand at the throne of God at the right hand of God as both God and man and plead our cause, plead our case. Now, what I want us to do in thinking about the words from the cross, I thirst, go back to Psalm 22, and I'm not going to go back over everything that I covered uh, in the episode on the fourth saying from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But from Psalm 22, verse 15 I want to remind us one of the words of the psalmist there. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. So going back to this passage, it seems that Christ, when he cries, I thirst, he is evoking the thirst of the psalmist. And again, this further points to the truth that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And as such, he was focused on his mission for the Father and for us. Here's the great truth of I thirst. He endured all the physical torture of his passion for us because he loves us. There's a song 
that we sing, Why did the Savior heaven leave and come to earth below where men His grace would not receive because He loved me so? Why did the Savior mark the way and why temptation? No, why, why teach and toil and plead and pray? Because he loved me so. He loved me, he loved me, he loves me, this I know. He gave himself to die for me because he loves me so. Why did the Savior uh, go through the garden's dreadful dross and temptations? No. Why did he suffer death upon the cross? Because he loved me so. The apostle wrote those words, Galatians 2.20. He says, The life that I now live as a Christian, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These are the words of the apostle who to another individual wrote, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he put me, or excuse me, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life again. The words of the Lord on the cross, I thirst, are his words that evoke the thirst of the psalmist from many years before, Psalm twenty-two, fifteen, And that points to the truth that he was the promised Messiah and that he was focused on the mission that the Father had given him and his mission was for our benefit. He endured that torture because he loves us. We need to acknowledge the greatness of Jesus and that as a human, he suffered and died for us. That's incredible. We don't serve a Lord who is abstract or afar off or who cannot sympathize with us or who doesn't get us, who doesn't really know what it's like. You know what it's like, dear listener, to feel that in your heart about someone. Someone says something to you. Someone acts a certain way about you. And we're tempted to think, you don't know how I feel. You don't know deep down in the deep recesses of my heart and my soul and my mind how I feel. And I can't really explain it. And while that is true, it's not true that our Lord doesn't know. He does know. And the Hebrews writer wrote Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet 
without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We cannot say our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't fully understand. Yes, he does. The old saying, I've been there, I've done that, I've got the t-shirt. That's true of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. He has been there, he has done that. And he endured the marks on his body that showed he knew and he still knows. And our Lord is great and he suffered as a man for us. And in all that he did on his life, including the great ordeal of the trials, the mocking, the scourging, and the hanging on the cross, he remained focused on the work God had for him. That's incredible. Our Lord remained focused. And I'm going to go to my go-to passage, how did he remain so focused? First Peter 2, if you've listened to me more than once, you've probably heard me mention this passage, especially if you've listened to me more than twice. <laughs> First Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, verse number 23 and 24, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes or wounds you were healed. How did he do it? How did he stay focused? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. He, as we would say, he gave it all to the Lord, his Father in heaven. He gave it all to him on the cross. He committed himself to what he was prepared ahead of time to do. He loved his Father in heaven, and he loved us, and he still does. And no doubt this is why he would commit himself in such a way to, to the work of God, to the work that, not incidentally, but so directly impacts us. The sacrifice of Jesus. He was reviled, but he didn't revile in return. He, he didn't quit out. Instead, he kept on committing himself. And that's the idea of the Greek word translated committed himself in 1 Peter 2, 23. He kept on committing himself to God with the assurance that though he was being wronged by man, he would receive righteous judgment at the hands of the Father. Wow. Think about that. Hmm. So often was our Lord mistreated, not just on the cross, but in his ministry, during his life. But he remained focused. He remained focused. How did he remain focused? Well, this passage, he kept on committing himself to the Lord Jesus. Excuse me, to his Father in heaven, I'm sorry. And we need to continue to commit ourselves to our Lord Jesus. I'd like to share something uh, that I just noticed uh, in a book 
the biographies of Jesus abound with instances of that to which Peter here alludes. The Jews charged Jesus with being a devil, a wine-bibber, a glutton, in league with Beelzebub, a blasphemer of God, and, and a violator of the law. When he was on trial before the Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of the Jews, the judges thereof ridiculed his claims, heaped scorn and contempt on his head, and spit in his face. Common soldiers, in further derision of his claims to royalty, placed a purple robe about his shoulders and did mock uh, obeisance at his feet. They pretended to worship him. While dying on the cross, a bloodthirsty mob milled and surged at him, shouting, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-nine. The stark tragedy of those fateful hours was deeply etched into Peter's consciousness. And he penned these words in vivid remembrance of scenes in which he himself had performed a disgraceful part. Again, it should be noted that this instruction was especially pertinent to the Christian uh, slaves to whom it was particularly addressed, 1 Peter 2.18. Individuals who were in difficult circumstances in the first century, and the same principle is true of us. When others are hurling words of accusations at us, when people turn their face from us, when people even retaliate or treat us badly, wrongly, because we're, we are Christians, because we're loyal to Christ and to His teaching and to teaching others. We are not to retaliate. Instead, we are to continue to commit, keep on committing ourselves to the Father in heaven, knowing that God will judge us with righteous judgment. Jesus Himself committed Himself to His Father in heaven and the same principle is true of us to remain focused, to keep our eyes on the Father. The Father is worthy. And if you're interested in thinking on that concept more about uh, the Father being worthy, uh, this uh, today is uh, December 7th, uh, 2022. And if you go online, if you go on Facebook, uh, the Washington Avenue Church of Christ Facebook page, you'll notice that uh, the last two Sundays I've preached on the subject of God being worthy of our service and worship. And I would like to, if you're interested, you know, encourage you to go and listen to those sermons that I've put forth, I've studied and put out, because I believe these are the concepts that will help us uh, and equip us in remaining focused uh, when there are so many distractions around us from the world our Lord uh, had many distractions uh, that could have easily turned him aside, but he was focused and he was thirsty in his physical body as he hung there for you and for me. We can honor this statement of Jesus from the cross when we follow his focused example, remembering that he thirsted on that cross in such an incredible, extreme way, to such an extreme degree, so that we might never thirst. Remember the words of Peter also from 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be vigilant, watchful, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Wow. Peter himself, who had so been sifted by Satan, desired 
by Satan and had fallen and had not done things that were pleasing. He denied the Lord. He recalled that time, no doubt, when he wrote, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Our Lord hung on that cross for Peter, and he hung on that cross for each of us, every one of my listeners, and every person in the world. His sacrifice has been, has been made available for all. John chapter 4, verse 10 and 14, in the context of Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman, Jesus said on one of those so statements, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Our Lord thirsted. Oh, I'm I'm getting more thirsty the more I think about that. And I've got a bottle of water sitting right here beside me. Our Lord was so thirsty on that cross that he remained focused. And it reminds us that he was a man he suffered the things that we suffer. He have felt, he's felt the things that we have felt. He's endured the emotions that we've endured. And he's able. He is able. The Hebrews writer writes. Oh, I love that. He is able to aid those who are so tempted and tested. Hebrews 2.18. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. For what? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Will our God, will our God provide us the mercy and grace to help in time of need? Yes, if we remain loyal to the Lord Jesus. Yes, if we put our faith and trust in Him as His people and come to Him with confidence and ask for the things that we need and we depend upon Him and if we will keep on committing ourselves to Him who judges righteously, we too will receive what we need to live and die in a way that will bring honor and glory to God as Paul so desired to do. Remember Philippians chapter 1, he said, I want to magnify God in my life and in my death. Whether I die today in prison in Rome or I live for another however many days or years, I want to glorify God in my body and in my life and in my death. Dear brother, dear sister, dear listener, won't you put your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? He gave you his all. Will you not take upon yourself his yoke, his burden, He says, it's light. He said, I'll give you rest. Come to me, you that labor, you that are heavy laden, the burdens and trials of life and sin. I'll give you rest. Come after me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me daily. Luke 9, 23. Brother, sister, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Our Lord remained focused as a man We can't say, well, he went to the cross. That wasn't too hard on him. He was God. He was tempted in the wilderness, but that was easy for him to overcome because he was God, you know. No, 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 no. He made himself subject to these things. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And because of that, we can go to the throne room of Jehovah God himself 
and expect with confidence to receive the mercy and the grace that we need in time, the grace that we need in time of need. And we can get the help we need. He will. He promises. There's no trial overtaking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, He will make the way of escape. Hebrews 10, 13. Dear brother, dear sister, dear listener, you can remain focused when you feel yourself falling away, looking in other directions. Put your eyes back on Jesus. Keep your mind and your heart in the Scriptures daily, and you can remain focused. Our Lord remained focused, even though He was so thirsty so that we might never thirst. To God be the glory. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Give Me Understanding podcast. If it was a benefit to you, will you do me a favor? Would, would you share this? Would you find the share button and on whatever venue you're listening and share it either through email or through a social media platform so that it can get before other people, so I can get these same truths to other precious souls for whom Jesus died? Would you do me that favor even now? Thank you so much for listening. God bless, and I will catch you next time.